Hey guys, welcome to my first official episode of Hoops and End Zones. I'm your host, Nick Velasquez. And um, again, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to check out my podcast. Um, be sure to like and follow my um, Instagram and my Facebook page if you have not already. I am also on Spotify, so you can uh, listen to the audio versions on that as well. And, um, and I'm just super excited to finally um, get this thing off the ground that I've been thinking about for doing uh, many years here, um, like I've said in my intro. So um, I first want to talk about um, the dubs, uh, the Golden State Warriors' chances to repeat. As you can see, um, I have the Steph Curry poster right here and then the 49ers banner right over here. So um, I'm huge fans of both teams, um, but I will do my best to um, give uh, objective opinions um, on other teams as well, as well as the the Warriors and the 49ers um, for that matter. Uh, so, But first I want to talk about the, um, the Dubs' chances to repeat because there's been tons of um, noise and movement in the NBA uh, this offseason. Um, We've seen not only the Warriors, but other teams make moves as well. Um, you know, first with the Clippers, they've made additions by getting uh, John Wall um, this summer, as well as acquiring Robert Covington and Norman Powell <clears throat> in the trade deadline uh, last summer. So um, they definitely have a lot of great rotational pieces uh, to support Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for that matter. Um, and once Kawhi is healthy, they're really going to, um, you know, they, they look like they're the favorites on paper. I wouldn't say they are, but, um, once they're healthy, they're really gonna, you know, be a problem, not just for the worst, but for anybody. And then you've seen obviously the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies who are still there and they're going to be, um, you know, chopping at the bit as well. You know, even though they both lost in the second round of the playoffs last season, they still have, they were still the top two seats in the league last year. So, um, you know, they're not going anywhere either. Um, and then, of course, in the East, you see the Boston Celtics make some additions there by getting uh, Dineo Gallinari, who is a terrific stretch for uh, for them. And then not to mention Malcolm Brogdon, who's going to bring a lot of um, stability and playmaking to the point guard position that they really didn't have with Marcus Smart. Uh, and then once they move Marcus Smart to the bench, he's really going to be a terrific, I think, rotational piece uh, for them, you know, in that sense there. Uh, so obviously a lot of competitors making moves to try to, you know, close the gap between them and the Warriors this summer. But I want to go into uh, why I still believe the Warriors, you know, are the favorites and most likely should repeat next season. So let me start with the, their depth, their bench. Um I want to start with the young guys in particular because um, the young guys, Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and James Wiseman are going to be, um, you know, at the forefront of, uh, you know, their rotation right there uh, behind Steph, Clay, and Draymond. So, um, and these guys, not only that, not only that, but these guys are the future of the team. Like, they're going to be taking the reins from um, their three, you know, there are three anchors from once they, you know, get old and they start and they start to decline there. So let's start with um, Jordan Poole there, who's already become one of the best younger players in the league here. Um, he had an amazing year last season. His point per 100 possessions, his assists per 100 possessions, his two-point field goal percentage, 
his three-point field goal percentage, his free throw percentage, and his true shooting percentage were all at career highs last season. And the obvious place to start where he can get better is his defense. I, I believe that's kind of his Achilles heel right there. He's got a lot to he's got a lot of room to grow on that end of the court. And while it'd be foolish to ever uh, expect him to become a defensive force, it's pretty reasonable to expect him to become, you know, a serviceable um, defensive player. In in for that matter, uh, by my eye, he actually took a pretty big pretty big step on that end of the court last year, particularly late in the season when he made it difficult for uh, some of these young some of these other guards to kind of get to the hoop there. So another step forward on the defensive end would do wonders for his game. But I think the biggest area of growth we can expect out of Poole is his shot selection. And that's not to say that his shot selection is bad. I mean, there's no guard that has a 59.8 true shooting percentage that has poor shot selection. But there's room for improvement, too. And his poor games this year often came when he got fixated on a certain shot. And when his three-point shot wasn't falling, he usually wasn't hunting much inside the arc. So with experience, I think he's going to start manipulating defenses better, uh, getting more to the rim with this, uh, with you know that's going to open up his three-point shot and vice versa. Uh, he still falls in love with certain moves and shots in certain games, and while he's good enough to get away with it, it still represents an avenue where he could do even better. But overall, I'm really excited to see uh, the next level that Poole can really uh, take to his game. And as always, you know the case for a terrific shooter in the Warrior system, he can even learn more from. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson when it comes to moving off the ball and getting around, uh, you know, getting around that screen setter and springing open for threes and just creating a little bit more space uh, between him and the defender. So even though he's already established himself as one of the best younger players in the game, there's always there's going to there's always going to be ways for you to improve. And, um, you know, Jordan Poole's got a lot of ways to grow in that sense. Uh, now let me get to Moses Moody. Uh, Moses Moody may have not—he may not have the superstar ceiling of a you know a prospect like Jonathan Kaminga, but he already has more of his game developed. He was more of a polished player coming out of college than Jonathan Kaminga was coming out of the G League Ignite, and he really showed how capable he you know he was as a three-point shooter and decision maker last season. Now he only averaged about you know four points on three point on 36.4% three-point shooting. But he had flashes of brilliance, such as like his 30-point outburst against, you know, Denver last March. And standing at six foot six with a seven-foot wingspan, that's extremely rare for a player like that in our league uh, this, you know, nowadays. So he's in a sweet spot where he can play multiple positions. And he's, you know, he's a he's a very intelligent passer and he's a promising defender. And there's really no shoe that he, you know, cannot fill in the, in the future because he's just so versatile, uh, you know, with his game there. So why isn't he getting more attention? Well, the Dubs already have multiple superstars on the roster and plenty of young talent to root for. And for the most part, Moody seems like a player who's going to, you know, become a legit contributor. But few people can see, you know, his ceiling eclipsing any of the other stars on their roster. However, that could change next season. Uh, with some of the Warriors' backcourt depth now missing, with you know Gary Payne too and Damian Lee leaving, that could open the doors for Moody to 
um, you know, showcase his skills and it's, it provides a, you know, an opportunity for him uh, to take his game to another level. Now it might not happen overnight, but with a player who's already so adept at multiple facets of the game, it's only really a matter of time before Moody establishes himself as one of the, you know, the league's young, brightest stars here. Uh, now let's go to James Wiseman. Uh, he just came off of a year in rehab or a year and a half of rehab and is still very raw as a basketball player. And um, as much as I want him to kind of be a star player next season, uh, just have to be, we just have to be realistic about this next season. He'll probably average about eight to 10 points a game and five to seven rebounds a game. Uh, Steve Kerr, you know, likes to play the guys that he trusts and guys who have tons of experience, who have tons of experience in the playoffs. Um, so I think he's likely going to go with them, you know, mostly over Wiseman. Now I'm not saying that Kerr doesn't trust Wiseman, but he hasn't seen enough of Wiseman to know, but he can consistently tribute to the Warriors roster. Um, Wiseman will have an, if he has like an eye opening training camp and, and a preseason in order to, you know, to get a lot of minutes, then I think he's going to become a huge factor early on. Um, he should get a lot of action um, early on if they'll want to save the majority of Mooney's, excuse me, if they want to save the majority of Kevon Looney's minutes for the playoffs. Um, even now, you know, even though, um, you know, Looney took the starting spot away from Wiseman because of the injuries he had, I still think Wiseman will eventually get that starting spot back and become their starter going to the playoffs. Because um, he was their starter in his rookie season. And, um, Wiseman is likely going to start off slow, but um, by that at that at the end of the season, I think he's he's going to gain that starting spot back and really be a big addition over Kavon Looney because his ceiling is much higher than any other of the uh, bigs on the Warriors roster here. But at first, I think, but I think the Warriors are going to simplify his role at first by not really focusing on his scoring, but rather boxing out, rebounding, being a rim protector, setting screens for guys like Steph Clay and Jordan Poole. And then also running the floor and being a lob threat. And his athleticism, his height will no doubt be a factor offensively. And I think, you know, he'll definitely be ready. And he'll gain a lot more uh, rhythm and confidence as the season goes along. Uh, let's move to Jonathan Kaminga, lastly. Um, I believe Kaminga has the highest ceiling out of any of the young guys on the Warriors roster. Uh, we did see he did get some action in the playoffs and he did, you know, have some great regular season games last season and his athleticism and his, um, you know, his two way abilities are definitely, um, you know, going to help his case as, you know, to become one of the, um, you know, the younger uh, stars in this league. And um, he's very raw still. Um, he still has a lot to learn. He still has a, you know, a bit of a learning curve. Um here, but I think that if he continues to, you know, you know, grind in and grind, you know, grind every other day, uh, day in and day out, and just keep, you know, learning from the coaching staff and the and the other veterans and just being like a sponge um, as far as you know, gaining, you know, all the knowledge that he can from those guys and just, you know, le and just getting more minutes and letting the game naturally come to him. Then I think he's really gonna, uh, you know, burst onto the scene here. So let's move to um, the two uh, veteran, two new veteran additions that they got: uh, Dante DiVincenzo and Jamichael Green. Um, 
to be honest, I was really hurt when Gary Payton 2 left because not only was he a fan favorite, but he was one of the best younger, you know, one of the best defenders in the league here at the guard position for that matter. And he was one of those guys where you could put him on, you know, John Morant or Dev or Devin Booker in that, you know, when he whenever he was going against them and literally just limit their games and make them work for their shots there. Obviously, um obviously you're not gonna shut down anyone like Ja or Devin Booker, but you can definitely make them work for their shots if you have a, a if you have a really you know terrific defender like Gary Payton too on them, and um, they're definitely going to miss his production and especially his his defensive prowess for that matter. But I really like the addition of Dante DiVincenzo because he's a terrific two way player. He's a former champion with the Bucks, and he may not be the defender that. Gary Payton too was, but he's still a pretty solid defender and he could definitely be a flamethrower for them off their bench because he's got, he's got a lot of um, offensive game that he can provide um, to the Warriors in their, um, in their motion offense there. And um, Jermichael Green uh, can provide a lot of toughness and rebounding as well. And I think actually think he's an, uh, an upgrade over Otto Porter because you know, Otto Porter was huge for them in the regular season and, of course, in the playoffs last year. But he does get hurt a lot. And I think with Jermichael Green there, as long as he can stay healthy and he can give them, you know, some much-needed size and, like I mentioned, rebounding as well, um, they're really going to take another. Um, their second unit is really going to be, um, you know, much better next season. Now let's move to... Uh, they're stars, the the two uh, stars here. Clay Thompson first. Um, you know, Clay's been through so much these last few years. Um, he's returning for his first, uh, you know, full season since the 2018-2019 season. And this is his first healthy full offseason since 2018. Like, first full healthy offseason in four years which is insane to think about because, you know, typically when athletes have a torn ACL and a torn Achilles, it's very, it's very disheartening for anyone. And for him to go through all that into, into, um, you know, just get back on the court and, you know, be a productive player for them. is just, you know, something to behold. And um, I think with a full healthy off season of training here and no rehab involved, I think he's going to be much closer to what he once was, um, you know, this next season here. Uh, he only played, I think, 32 regular season games last year, and it took him a while to get back to, to for him to get back in his rhythm. And, uh, but in those 32 games, he did average, you know, 20 points, you know, four rebounds and three assists there. And if he does stay healthy, I think you'll see a slight increase in those numbers there because, you know, Clay was one of the best two-way players in the league before he got hurt. And, you know, you know, you hope to see that Clay can get back into that form, and I think he will. But if he can get back into that form next season, then it's really going to um it's really gonna take that to a whole nother level here. And then Steph Curry. You know, what more can you say about the guy? I mean, 
he had an all-time finals performance to finish off an incredible season for them. Um, his accolades from last season included breaking the three-point record, winning All-Star Game MVP, Western Conference Finals MVP, Finals MVP, and then his fourth championship. Not to mention he was named to the NBA's 75th anniversary team. So it was just an incredible season from one of the greatest players of all time. And he still has plenty more left in the tank. Um, at 34 years old, he averaged 25.5 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists during the regular season. But in the finals, he took his game to a whole new level. He averaged roughly 31 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists in the finals. Including a game, you know, 4 for the ages. When he went off for just 43 points, or not just, but 43 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. And the guy was just on a whole nother level. And he by far was the best player in the finals last season. And he even shot 43.7% from three in the finals, which was a 6% increase from his regular season percentage, which is, which is remarkable uh, for that matter. So he's still at the peak of his, uh, he's still at the peak of his prime there. And as long as he's still, you know, leading the Warriors, you know, with this type of play, they're going to have a chance to win it all every year. Um, and typically guys start to kind of fall off their peak at age, like 36, 37 or so. But Steph really shows no signs of slowing down. And, you know, hopefully he can still perform at an extremely high level once he gets up there. So um, obviously a lot of traffic, you know, like I said, a lot of traffic that went on uh, during the regular season for the NBA here. But um, I'm super excited for um, this upcoming season for to see the Warriors defend their title and for and to see what the other teams um, um, are going to do as well. Um, I think it's going to be, again, a very close, um, you know, race for all the spots and the seeds there, um, you know, in both conferences. And of course, the finals are going to be something to, um, you know, enjoy again uh, this year as well. So super excited to, um, you know, watch the you know, watch the season begin at the end of the month when the Warriors travel to Japan to take on the Wizards. And, um, you, know, you know, hopefully we'll have another incredible NBA season and we'll see uh, where it goes from there. Okay, so next I want to talk about the Lakers and LeBron. Now, the Lakers are obviously one of the most popular teams in the league. Um, it doesn't matter whether they're the best team in the league or an a below average team in the league. They're always going to be talked about in the media, on the in in sports columns, and pretty much, um, you know, almost every sports outlet there is. But it's just because of their um, their brand and their franchise, and you know the success they've had. They're arguably the, the most uh, popular team, or one of the most popular teams all time in in the NBA. Here, um, their star player, of course, is LeBron James, who is one of the most popular players in the league um, and is considered one of the greatest players ever. Uh, putting those two teams together, they're going to always be involved in the news and in uh, trade rumors or, you know, free agency rumors or, or any type of rumors there. Um, as we know, the Lakers won the championship two years ago. Uh, since then, they've had a first round exit and last season missed the playoffs. Not only missed the playoffs, but didn't even make the play in tournament. Um it's safe to say that <laughs> it's safe to say that last season was a miserable one for the Lakers, and that's that's putting it lightly. Um, you know, it seemed early on last summer that 
LA could be in contention for a title once they added Russell Westbrook. I was skeptical about it at first. I didn't think that it would it would work out um, quite well, and sure enough, it didn't. Um, although there are a lot of other people who were very bullish on the Lakers' title odds once they acquired Russell Westbrook, and all that hope quickly died away once we saw that the team wasn't nearly as good as they initially as they were initially expected to be. Uh, a great deal of the blame you know, was placed on Westbrook um, because his ball-dominant play style and his shooting struggles did not fit well with the way that LeBron prefers to play with them. Um, even though L.A. struggles weren't all of Westbrook's fault, um, he did have one of the most inefficient seasons of his career. Um, I think um, I'm not entirely certain what stats, you know, he had career lows in, but, you know, you can tell that he literally just wasn't himself and he was just a shell of his uh, former self there um uh recently there have been rumors that they'd be interested in um trading for Kyrie Irving earlier this summer there were rumors that they were going to trade for Kyrie Irving um they're eager to I mean as long as LeBron's you know in your house you're gonna try to win as many championships as possible uh you want to surround him you want to surround him with the you know the correct supporting cast that's going to fit into his play style and that's going to give him, that's going to optimize his chances of winning championships there. Not only for him, but also for your franchise as well. Um, so if they were able to pull off a trade for Kyrie, then um, does it rekindle their championship hopes? Then I would say yes. However, that's not how it turned out. Um, they were, they were a little bit, um, they were a little bit hesitant on including the two first round picks at first, but then once the Lakers decided to include two first-round picks, um, you know, Kyrie was already pretty much settled, you know, in his decision as his decision to go back to the Nets for at least one more season. So that ship has sailed there. Um, but there is still the opportunity that he could join the Lakers next summer. So uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, if he were to join the Lakers next summer. Um, they would form a new big free in LA, um, you know, with LeBron, AD and Kyrie all on the same team. Um, Kyrie has played with LeBron before the two teamed up in Cleveland for three seasons and won that, um, incredible, you know, championship in 2016, where they came back down from a three, one lead against my warriors and ended up, uh, winning the championship there. Um, as a star who can create his own shot, Kyrie was the perfect uh, complement to LeBron um, in Cleveland, and he can still be the perfect complement to him here in, in or down there in L.A. Um, if you want to add a defensive superstar who can stretch the floor like Anthony Davis into the mix, you have pro- arguably the best one-two-three punch, not only in the NBA but probably in the entire history of the NBA. So, having a go-to scorer like Kyrie could alleviate some of the pressure off of LeBron and AD offensively. And that would allow him to put more, that would allow LeBron to put more focus on using his physicality to get stops on defense. And with Anthony Davis protecting the rim, the Lakers would already be a a good defensive team in that regard there. They can get stops and run in transition. They can be very successful. And when LeBron does have the ball in his hands, he, you know, is an incredible threat. He, and with Kyrie there, he would have several options with the ball. He could let Kyrie do some of his magic. He could kick and drive 
you know, he could drive and kick to shooters. He could set up plays for um, Anthony Davis in the paint, or he could take his own shots. And we know that LeBron's one of the greatest passers of all time uh, with his passing ability and Kyrie's shot creating ability and Anthony Davis's rim protection on the other end, the Lakers trio would have very few weaknesses. Um, albeit they do have to get some, they would have to get a very solid supporting cast around them next summer. Now there are some really nice role players that they could add um, next summer, like Al Horford, uh, Steven Adams, Terrence Ross, um, and uh, you know, Miles Turner for that regard. Now, speaking of Miles Turner, um when once when the Kyrie uh trade idea pretty much was dead once you know he decided he was gonna go back to Brooklyn for another season, you know, Miles Turner and Bunny Heald have, have come up as also another option to trade for them. Um now they're not nearly as good as Kyrie, but they're sure to provide a new dynamic and fresh start to this Lakers team here. And the big boon to this trade would be the defense that Miles Turner brings. He would bring some much-needed rim protection and help them stretch the, floor off, stretch the floor offensively. And if the Lakers are also dead serious about wanting Anthony Davis to be the focal point of the team, then maybe acquiring a stretch five and a defensive anchor like Miles Turner could ease Anthony Davis's defensive load in a way that no point guard uh, neither that neither Westbrook nor Kyrie Irving could do. So you can say pretty much the same thing about Utah's package with uh, Jordan Clarkson, Bojan Bogdanovich, and Mike Conley. Those deals don't automatically make the Lakers a championship contender, but those players are sure to better fit around the duo of LeBron and AD as opposed to Russell Westbrook on offense. And the least they could do is give LeBron, who they promised they would go all in, after he signed that contract extension uh, earlier this summer and Anthony Davis a fresh start and another chance of contending for a championship, even if it means sacrificing more assets down the road. Um, are two future first-round picks worth giving up in exchange for players that don't profoundly raise the Lakers' ceiling the way that a real superstar like Kyrie would do? Probably not, but it's still a risk that the Lakers should take if the alternative means staying put with Westbrook. That's just what happens when you you know, strike out on your first option and you have less than five weeks to build a championship contender for that matter. Um, now let's get into the potential issues uh, with this. Uh, training away Westbrook and receiving, you know, would re in receiving Kyrie in return would not automatically solve all the Lakers issues, nor would, you know, signing Kyrie as a free agent next summer solve all of them. Um, you do need to find the right role players who are skilled not only um, on the offensive end, but also, on, more importantly, on the defensive end, too. Um, when they won their first championship in 2020, they had some terrific two-way players like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Alex Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, and Kyle Kuzma, for that matter. And once they traded them, uh, or, you know, traded most of them away for Russell Westbrook, uh, their defense took a huge dive there. And that's, you know, that's one of the main reasons why they struggled last season, because they didn't have, uh, you know, those those defensive players that could take some of the uh, pressure, you know, off of LeBron and AD on the defensive end there. They, they, they didn't have those perimeter defenders that could make it difficult on some of the, you know, better uh, guards in the league there. Um, so, you know, you're as as much as, you know, getting those three together 
you know, would increase their championship odds, your your bench depth matters and your rotation matters. So, um, you know, it's the role players that are going to, you know, be kind of the, you know, kind of just be the structure for for a championship team because, you know, top heavy doesn't really cut it in the league anymore. I mean, you know, we saw, I mean, probably with the exception of 2019 when the Warriors had theirs, but, you know, you know, they didn't really have a solid bench, but, you know, they, they, you know, injuries just derailed them. But, you know, but for the most part, you do need to have a very solid bench and terrific rotational pieces around your stars there. So, um, and in the larger scope of things, the Lakers are going to need to have players who are going to be able to, or are going to be available to play throughout the entire season. Last year, they had several injuries throughout their roster. There are two players who need to be available, you know, to win for the Lakers to win that championship. The first is Anthony Davis. You know, he missed way too many games these past two seasons with injuries. I think he he roughly only played like 36 games last season, you know, and that's 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 pretty bad, you know, in all in all senses there. Um, and it makes it nearly impossible and it makes it nearly impossible for him to stay consistent with, you know, his skill set if he's going to be injured that much there. Um, so, but if they can, um, if they can get 60 games out of Anthony Davis next season, then they have a legitimate shot. Um, but you know, you got to question, you know, whether he's going to be available because, you know, ever since they won that championship in the bubble in 2020, he really just hasn't seen the floor as much as they would like to there. Um, the other injury, um, the other injury concern I would have if, you know, you know, next summer, if they get Kyrie would be Kyrie, of course, himself, because, um, you know, he's missed games for various seasons throughout his career. The guy is such a wild card, you know, you know, he would take, he would abruptly take time off because he needed, you know, he had some other personal issues come up. And, um, if they acquire him and he kind of pulls that same stuff, uh, with the Lakers, or rather, even if, you know, he plays this season with Brooklyn, he does the same, same shtick again, then I think that that might scare, that might give the Lakers some, you know, some reason to pause there because they're thinking, well, if this guy is going to, you know, abruptly take time off and he's not going to be available for them, then why should we trust him, you know, to be on our squad and consistently give us, you know, production night in and night out there. So, I think that's the one thing that's preventing him from being a reliable star that's worthy of a max contract is just his availability and his overall just, you know, his, uh, you know, his dedication, you know, to being, uh, you know, to being available as much as he can there. So, um, but if they did get Kyrie and they did add the right role players, you know, to this team next summer, then I think they could be, you know, possibly one of the championship favorites, if not, uh, you know, the championship favorite next summer. Of course, you know, we have to see, you know, what other teams do, of course, as well. And, you know, it's going to depend on, you know, what what the Warriors are going to do with their stars next season. That will be a, you know, a subject for another uh, segment down the road here. But, um, yeah, but yeah, as long as they, you know, as long as they have depth, you know, behind, you know, LeBron and AD and, and they could possibly get in the third star uh, with them they have a very good shot at, at winning another title together 
Um, so, you know, we'll see how that goes, but, um, you know, we just got to let this season play out and then just see, uh, where all the, you know, where all the, um, you know, where all the pieces fall next summer for them. Okay. So next I want to talk about the Niners bears game, uh, from week one of the NFL season. And as a Niners fan, this was very tough to watch. Um, I thought going in to this game that they would have the upper hand. I thought they had the better, you know, team today, and maybe they do in terms of talent, but they just it definitely wasn't like that on the field. They just they didn't execute well and the Bears, um, you know, all the credit to them. Um, Justin Fields and their defense um, you know, made plays down the stretch. They made the Niners pay for their mistakes and they made the best out of the home opener uh, this season. Um, you know, regardless of even even though the weather was like really bad uh, for this game here. And it's always nice, you know, for any Chicago Bears fans out there, it's always nice when, you you know, you get a win in front of your home crowd and you can carry some of that momentum into next week with your young quarterback at the helm, especially with, uh, you know, an incredibly rainy game like this. Um, uh, you don't see many NFL games, you know, today that get rained out that hard here. Um, as for the Niners, this game was pretty sloppy for them, especially since, you know, it was in the rain and they're not used to playing in that type of weather. And I hate to blame the weather on the outcome of, you know, this game, but whenever you're in the weather, when you're, whenever you're in terrible weather like that and the rain is coming down that hard, the ball gets heavy, it's harder to throw, it's harder to catch. And sometimes it can be a little bit harder to see downfield depending on how hard the rain is coming down. Uh, I thought the defense played great right up until they had that blown coverage where they let Dante Pass get that wide-open touchdown uh, when Justin Fields threw that uh, from the opposite side of the field there. Uh, it was good to see Javon Kinlaw back out there and wreak havoc on the Bears' offensive line as well after missing all of last season with a knee injury. And it was also awesome to see Talanoa Hufanga, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, kill it out there, and he made some terrific defensive plays. He had... Uh, 11 tackles, 10 of them solo tackles, and an interception into that game. Um, as far as Trey Lance goes, even though he did throw the interception in the fourth quarter to Eddie Jackson and missed that end zone pass to Tyler Croft, uh, he had a pretty decent game. It wasn't great, and you know, he himself admitted he made a few mistakes in that game. But overall, it wasn't terrible either. Uh, going forward, it's it's uh, you know possible that Lance is uh, you know behind the eight ball because you know even though it's not entirely his fault, uh, you know he does have some unfortunate circumstances around him. Uh, Kittle, his boss, his best offensive weapon, and his security blanket—they call the tight end your security blanket—and you know in football nowadays, um, you know him not being out there had a lot to do with it. Having those numerous penalties had a lot to do with it as well. Uh, the Niners had 11 penalties for 95 yards, and the Bears um, had three penalties for 24 yards. So huge difference like that, you know, if if that magnitude there. So, um, and, you know, if you're the Niners, if you commit, you know, 11 penalties for almost 100 yards every game, you're not going to be anyone who's good, let alone great in, in, in this league here. And even though there were some, you know, ridiculous Bush League penalties that were called, like, for example, Brandon Ayuk being called for offensive pass interference on that, you know, very light push separation move that he, you know, did in the first half. And or Aziz El Shire being called on a 
you know, th- for like a little, little like three second face mask when the ball carrier was actually already going to the ground. So, um, you know, even though I thought they were, they were ridiculous penalties, they the Niners need to be much smarter in that facet of the game and just clean up those mistakes that they made. Um, their interior offensive line also had a lot to do with it, especially since this uh, this offensive line was relatively new and they were playing their first regular season game together. Uh, losing Lakin Tomlinson this offseason and Alex Mack retiring had a lot to do with it as well. It was pretty clear that the interior offensive line was not as good as it was last season. So these younger guys like Spencer Buford, Jake Brendel, and Aaron Banks are going to have to step up and give Trey Lance some much-needed protection this year. And as bad as, um, you know, even though the offensive line was was bad and, you know, the penalties, you know, were a factor and, you know, Kittle was missing, you know, if you make a couple plays here and there or if two plays had gone differently, such as such as if they got that touchdown at the end of, you know, in the third quarter instead of, you know, Robbie Gold making that field goal and you're, you know, going for in in the other the other one was um when they had the ball the 41 yard line it was fourth and one and Kyle Shanahan elected you know to not go for it. If you decide to go for it and you get that, you know, extra yard, that that's a huge momentum shifter and momentum matters in in these games, especially in in closely tight knit games like that. So they found themselves in positions where, you know, they had to make plays on offense because they were down, you know, by three points and then nine points later on. And they just simply couldn't string any decent drives together at the end there. And even though the rest of the NFC is 0-1 this week, the Rams, Cardinals, and the Seahawks all lost this week, this is still a pretty bad loss for the Niners. Um, They obviously have to play better going forward. Shanahan should have had multiple plans as far as the running game is concerned, you know, in my opinion. Um, I think they should look into signing Marlon Mack, who's a free agent right now, if Elijah Mitchell's injury is pretty bad. Um, They thankfully, in, you know, last season when Raheem Mostert tore his ACL, they thankfully had Elijah Mitchell there. Um, And I like Jeff Wilson Jr., but he's not good enough to be the bell cow of their running attack right now. So I really think they need um, some insurance in the, you know, in the running back um, area of their roster right now. But, you know, this season, Raheem Mostert's no longer, you know, here because he signed a, you know, a a contract with, uh, I believe it was the Miami Dolphins free agency. Uh, Trey Sermon is clearly no longer there. He was a pretty big, uh, you know, draft disappointment for the Niners. And so they don't, they don't really have a solid running back behind, uh, you know, behind Elijah Mitchell at this point. So they do need to make a move there. Um, you know, that all being said, um, I think next week will be, it's going to be huge for them to get back on track. And their next game against Seattle next week is going to be a prime opportunity for them to, uh, you know, to, to rebound and, and get back you know, on their horses here, especially since Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner are no longer there. So, you know, they should be able to beat Seattle, but, you know, fingers crossed uh, that they can, you know, pull it out and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. And, you know, deep down, I think they will. Um, I believe the Niners will figure it out. And as long as they're healthy at the right time down the stretch of the season, they can and will be a threat to anyone um, in the NFL here. But, I want to hear what you guys think. Um, give this video a like, follow my Instagram, Spotify, and Facebook pages if you haven't already. And give me your takes on this because I always love to hear 
about what other people have to say uh, regarding the insights and the post-game analyses that I share when it comes to the NBA and the NFL. So be on the lookout for my next episode coming up, uh, coming up, I believe, you know, next week or it's the week after. So I'll have more details on that as the uh, date gets closer, but um, uh, keep an eye out for that and I'll see you guys then. Cheers.